Good morning, church. I love you and appreciate you. I love, I love hearing us sing these songs. And sometimes, sometimes I think we need to just stop and, and ask ourselves, as we sing songs like that, anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus, fear, fear I will not know. I mean, do, do you really believe that? I hope we do. I hope, I hope we do. We've been talking about this idea of, of villains, that there are people in the world who oppose the way of Jesus. There are people in the world, and have always been, who oppose the, the truth, who oppose the gospel, who oppose Jesus, who oppose the, the, the people of Jesus. But in spite of that, fear we will not know. Anywhere with Jesus, we can safely go. I, I want to talk about a word that we've heard a lot, used a lot. Um, it's the word mob, mob, M-O-B. Uh, and, and I learned something interesting about the word mob, like angry mob. I, I learned something interesting about that word this week, that it's actually a shortened form of a Latin phrase, mobile vogus, or vulgus rather, vulgus, like from, from which we get the word vulgar, which means common, like common people. And the idea behind mobile vulgus was the idea that the, the common people are fickle. They change. They, they, they're easily uh, aroused, incited, that, that the slightest thing can, can change them. And, and we've seen that, haven't we? That, that the crowds, the people, can become an angry mob like that, can't they? That it's very easy for people to go from calm and peaceful and everything is okay to the next moment outraged, right? And, and when people join together and they're angry and they're moving towards something or they're moving against something, it can be an, an incredibly dangerous thing. And I don't just mean like, you know, people that get scared because fire gets set in a theater and, and that, kind of, that kind of movement, but, but an ideological mob and people that join to gang up on someone. I was thinking, like, historically, the times that this has happened. Like, in 1692, there were a few little girls who accused some women in the community of Salem of being witches. And by the time it was all over, all of the paranoia and the suspicion, by the time it was all over, 200 people were accused of being witches, and 19 people were executed. See, people can, can be like that, can't we? We can be a, a dangerous, angry mob, and we can, we can be kind of fickle. We go from one moment calm and peaceful and everything is okay to the next moment something has made us angry and we move together against someone or something. And, and some of us have felt like, I'm sure, that that angry mob is coming for us sometimes, haven't we? In fact, I was trying to think of metaphors. What does it, what does it feel like to try to avoid the angry mobs? You've seen maybe in cartoons where, where the characters have to like tiptoe through a lion's den. You know what I'm saying? Like a cave full of sleeping lions and everywhere there's a sleeping lion and, and you gotta be really careful where you put your foot because you might step on a lion's tail and if you step on a lion's tail then that lion wakes up and then wakes up all the other lions and then they gang up and they come after you. You, you feel like that's kind of the, the world we're living in sometimes? Like, like you have to be really careful because no matter what you say or do, you, you might step on a lion's tail. And before you know it, the whole pride of lions is after you. 
And, and maybe you feel like you've been navigating that. And maybe you felt like you've navigated that successfully. And maybe you feel like you're not navigating that successfully at all. And, and part of what I want to say is, you're right. You're right. People, people very much can be this way. And it can be incredibly terrifying and intimidating to feel like if you say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, if you say something that isn't in step with what the crowds think, that they will gang up on you. And you're right. You're right. People do exactly that and have done exactly that for thousands and thousands of years. And so on the one hand, I want to affirm that and, and encourage you. It's, it's not in your imagination. It really is like that in the world. And on the other hand, I also want to say to you, you can breathe. In spite of that reality, in spite of the angry mobs, you can have peace. You can have joy. You can have hope. Because no mob is a match for our Messiah, right? There is no mob who is a match for our Messiah. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is stronger. Jesus is better. Jesus is unstoppable. And so when you are with Jesus, and if you stand with Jesus, even though there really are angry mobs in the world, you don't have to be afraid. You can live in peace and joy and hope. And we see that in today's story. Acts chapter 14, we're continuing to follow Paul and Barnabas on Paul's first missionary journey and seeing how he's encountering and dealing with those who stand in the way of Jesus, those who oppose the way of Jesus, and, and to see how Jesus, in spite of this, continues to conquer the world. That's how I think about the book of Acts. I think of the book of Acts a lot like the book of Joshua. It's a book of conquest. Not, not military conquest, but conquering the world with the good news that Jesus is king. And Jesus continues to conquer his enemies by bringing his enemies to himself and, and converting them so that they are now his friends or, or going beyond them, but never letting, letting these people who stand in the way of the gospel, they never stop the gospel. The gospel always prevails. Jesus is always unstoppable and continues. 2,000 years later, here we are. We who were formerly enemies of God have been conquered. Amen? We've been conquered by the gospel. We've been conquered by the gospel and brought into God's kingdom. Acts 14 and verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. I, as I read this, I thought, well... This sounds pretty relevant to me. I don't know about you. It sounds pretty relevant to me. Does this sound like something you recognize, a world that you recognize, that, that there are people stirred up, stirred up and angry against maybe truth, that there are people who have their minds 
poisoned to the gospel, that they are listening to voices and ideas and they are listening to people who are poisoning their minds against the gospel so that even before they hear the truth, they're already predisposed to reject it and people are deeply divided. Does this, does this sound like a world you recognize? Because it sounds like a world I recognize. People are stirred up. People have their minds poisoned to the gospel. And, and people are divided. But, but look at what the disciples of Jesus do. Look at what Paul continues to do. He stays. He stays. In spite of the fact that there are people that hate his guts. In spite of the fact that there are people who have their minds poisoned against the truth that he's trying to proclaim. He stays. And he keeps preaching Jesus. He keeps proclaiming the good news. He keeps loving his enemies. He keeps staying. He keeps enduring. He keeps persevering. And so they remained for a long time and they spoke boldly for the Lord. They spoke boldly for the Lord. That's what they're speaking. And, and if Paul's going to offend someone, and sometimes he did, sometimes he stepped on plenty of lion's tails. You know what I mean? He stepped on lion's tails. And if, and if you and I are going to step on a lion's tail, let it be for the Lord. Let it be because we're talking about Jesus. Let it be because we're talking about Jesus. Verse 5, then when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. And I think this is interesting, and I want to sit with this for just a moment, that as long as what they were dealing with was anger and lies and misrepresentation and shame and all the things that were, were directed towards them, they stayed and they kept preaching the gospel. But then, then when their lives were in danger, when they knew that there was a plot to do them bodily harm, they ran away. They ran away. They fled and this isn't the first time, nor will it be the last time, that God's people flee in order to avoid being harmed and killed. And I think that we have to recognize this, that, that maybe for Paul, this might have been challenging to run away. I mean, after all, it wasn't very long ago when Paul was leading military troops, when he was leading soldiers to arrest and imprison his enemies. Of course, his enemies at that time were the church. But now Paul has been so, to, so totally changed that when his life is threatened, he runs away. He flees. And there is no shame in running away from a life-threatening situation. And, and, I, and I don't think we say that enough. And pretty soon Paul is going to be in another life-threatening situation and he won't be able to flee. But I think we need to acknowledge this and realize this because maybe there's somebody here this morning and this applies to you. And sometimes we tell ourselves we have, to, we have to be tough and we have to stay and that it's shameful to run away. But Paul apparently didn't think it was shameful to run away. There was a time when he got let down the wall in a basket in order to flee. Paul wasn't ashamed to run away. To understand that I, I'm going to go and I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. I don't have to prove how tough I am. I don't have to prove how strong I am. I don't have to prove that I'm bigger and better than they are. There is no shame in running away from a life-threatening situation. Verse 8. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. 
He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Now, now this isn't the first time that we've seen this, this glimpse of what it will be like in the resurrection, this glimpse of what it will be like when all of these, these ailments are taken away. All of this brokenness is taken away, and we see this, this miracle, this sign from God, and in, in that this man who had never walked before is now leaping and rejoicing. But, but it's a different kind of situation because this time Paul is in a very Gentile, a very pagan community. And how they interpret this miracle is very different than the way the Jewish people interpreted this miracle. Look at verse 11. And when the crowds saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, who, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Apparently there was a legend in that area that this had happened before, that Zeus and Hermes had taken on the form of human beings and had walked amongst the community, and most of the people rejected them except for this poor elderly couple who took Zeus and Hermes in, and, and because they took them in, they were rewarded, but all of the other people were punished for, their for being inhospitable. So, these people see this miracle, they think this is Zeus and Hermes come in human form, and so they want to worship Paul and Barnabas thinking that they are gods. Verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. We're trying to get you to stop worshiping Zeus and Hermes, and now you think we are Zeus and Hermes. Now you think we are the very gods. We're trying to tell you stop worshiping them and worship the true and living God, the one who has given you all good things. Verse 16, in past generations, God allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Do you see what they're doing? They're saying, they're saying all, all the good stuff that you have, all the good stuff that you have, the rain that blesses your fields and the crops that grow and the food that you eat and the happiness that you have, it's not from Zeus, it's not from Hermes, it's not from any of your gods. It is from the true and living God and it was calling you to be his people through Jesus. And so they are pointing these people towards the love and the goodness of God. And this is, this is an important lesson for us to learn. When, when the mob is motivated by misplaced worship, and they were, right? When they are motivated by misplaced worship or a distorted view of reality, and they were, then keep pointing people towards the love and goodness of God. That's what we see Paul and Barnabas doing, right? That these people had, were motivated by misplaced worship. 
In fact, I learned something interesting this week too. I love words, I love etymology of words, that the word cult and culture, you can see how they're related, cult and culture. A cult is a group of people who worship something. And, and how at the heart of every culture, whether we want to admit it or not, is worship of someone or something. At the heart of every culture is the worship of someone or something. And so often, cultures have something at the heart of that culture of misplaced worship. But when a culture, when a group of people, when a mob of people is motivated by misplaced worship and a distorted view of reality, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Keep pointing people to the love and goodness of God. Keep telling people all the good things that you love, all the good things that you have, they're from him. They're from him. And they're there so that you see how good he is, so that you see how loving he is. Do you see how even in the face of a mob who is motivated by misplaced worship and a distorted view of reality, Paul and Barnabas keep loving these people and keep pointing them to the love and the goodness of God. And, and we have to do the same thing. Not, not because it always, quote-unquote, works. Not because it always works. Not because you, you're always going to be able to change people's minds. Luke says they scarcely restrained the people. Even with all of this, they could scarcely restrain them from worshiping them like gods. Verse 19, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Let me stop there for just a second. Talk about a fickle crowd, right? They, they went from, on the one hand, worshiping him as if he was a god, to executing him like he was a criminal. Like that. Like that. And that's what happens. That's what happens to a people who are motivated by misplaced worship and a distorted view of reality. When we're not aligned with truth then this is the kind of thing that happens. Someone can incite us to go from worshiping someone as a god to executing them as a criminal. And that's exactly what Paul experienced. But, verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. Jesus wasn't ready for Paul to die. Someday Paul would be a martyr for Jesus, but not today. Not today. Jesus wasn't ready for Paul to die. And I don't think, I, I, I've never witnessed a stoning, thank, you, thank God, I've never witnessed this kind of a thing, but I don't think that very often people walked away from being stoned. This was an execution, and they thought that Paul had been executed. They thought that he was dead. And not only was he not dead, he walked back into the city, and he continued on his missionary journey. Jesus wasn't ready for Paul to die. And there, there is no mob that is bigger than our Messiah. Jesus is unstoppable. And Paul didn't retaliate. He turned the other cheek. Paul didn't show them how big and bad he was. He didn't show them how tough he was. He just got back up and kept preaching the gospel. Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. These are all the places 
from which those came who were stirring up and inciting and poisoning people's minds. They went back to those cities, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many what, church? Tribulations. Tribulations. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, Paul and Barnabas could only stay for a moment in each of these communities, but these Christians had to stay there. These Christians lived there. These these Christians had, had jobs there, had family there, had community there. And these are the same cities that there were angry mobs that were trying to kill the people who taught them to follow Jesus. Do you suppose that it would be difficult and challenging to stay there, to continue there, to persevere there as a follower of Jesus? Yeah. And that's why Paul and Barnabas go back to every community and they strengthen them and they encourage them and this is what they tell them. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Keep your eyes on the kingdom. Keep your eyes on on who we are and what we have and what we will have. Keep your eyes, keep your mind, keep your heart, keep your hope on what we will inherit. You you are co-heirs with Jesus. You will be raised to live forever. You will inherit God's new world. You are God's children, and he's going to give you everything. You are going to inherit his uncontested rule and reign. When God conquers all of his enemies, you will reign with Jesus. This is the message of the kingdom. But he says, he says, it's only through tribulation, through trials, through suffering, through hardship, that we enter the kingdom of God. And sometimes we we leave out part of that, don't we? We have to recognize that the kingdom and the cross are inseparable. The kingdom and the cross are inseparable. Not, Not just the cross of Jesus, but the cross that Jesus told you and me who would be his disciples, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross and follow me. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We don't inherit the kingdom by accident. We we don't inherit the kingdom by ease. We're going to inherit the kingdom through many trials and struggles, and tribulations, and suffering, and persecution, and people hating us, and people speaking badly about us, that this is what it looks like sometimes to follow Jesus, is to take up our cross and follow him. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the kingdom without the cross. And sometimes we're okay with Jesus having his cross. We just don't want to accept the fact that we have one too. But Paul was willing to accept that. That part of following Jesus means I have to take up my cross and follow him. It meant that Paul was going to be despised and Paul was going to be hated and Paul was going to have to run away from town after town and Paul was going to be beaten and Paul was going to be whipped and Paul was going to be stoned. And someday Paul would be beheaded. And he accepted that. 
Because he understood that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. But, but we've, we've gotten very comfortable with only part of that message. The, the message about the kingdom, we like that. Resurrection, immortality, life, reigning with Jesus. I love that. But we forget that the kingdom and the cross are inseparable. That if you're going to inherit what Jesus wants to give you, you have to listen to Jesus. That you can't inherit Jesus' kingdom. You can't inherit the kingdom unless you're willing to take up the cross. You can't inherit the kingdom unless you're willing to take up the cross. Yes, there are going to be people who don't like you, who despise you, who think that believing what Scripture teaches, following Jesus is outdated, is, is, is disgusting, is, is wrong, is, is shameful. And it's always been that way. The followers of Jesus have always had to deal with that reality. In fact, this is part of being kingdom people. But church, there's a, there's a real danger here. There's a real danger that we lose our inheritance, that we squander our inheritance by trying to prove how tough we are. There's a real danger that we lose our inheritance by saying, I won't carry a cross. I, I won't suffer. I won't be disliked. I won't run away. I won't let people think I'm a coward. I won't let people think I'm weak. I won't let people despise me. I won't let people reject me. I won't let people insult me. But our Lord says, our, our rabbi says, our teacher says, our Messiah says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn. Let him slap you on the other. Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when people revile you and speak all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This is how they treated the prophets who were before you. This is the blessed life. This is the kingdom life. This is the child of God life. The kingdom and the cross are inseparable. In fact, that's what we're saying when we're baptized, isn't it? When we're baptized into Jesus, we're saying, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. This life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to die with Jesus, be buried with Jesus in the watery grave of baptism. And when I'm resurrected, my life isn't my own anymore. And however God wants to use me, whatever path God has for me, I will, I will say it is well with my soul. I will surrender my whole body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. This is the commitment that we made when we were baptized. We said, I want to inherit the kingdom. I want to, I want to be raised to newness of life. I, I want to live forever. I want immortality. I want to reign with Jesus. And Paul says in Romans, he says, you will be glorified with him if, if you suffer with him. Take up your cross and follow him. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to die to yourself. 
to die with Jesus, to be buried with Jesus in baptism, to be raised up, to have this, this hope and this joy and this promise that even though you will be opposed and there will be people who mock you and revile you and hate you, that even, even though, even though that happens, you still have joy and hope and peace because of what Jesus has done for you, because of the presence of the Spirit. Maybe you want to grab hold of that for the first time this morning. Or maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Or maybe you just need prayers or encouragement because it can be overwhelming and intimidating and frightening when it feels like the mobs are against us. It can feel intimidating when the villains seem bent on persecuting you. But Jesus is with you. And where Jesus is, you can have peace and hope and joy. And if you need prayers for those things or for anything, our shepherds would love to pray with you or you can come forward now as together we stand and sing this song.